0: Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete, bonjour, Pete. Get up! Get up!
1: Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, for short Trek episode Children of Mars, comes to you now via repurposed Discovery-era school shuttle.
0: Pete, so happy to be A, talking Star Trek, B, talking Star Trek Picard. To those listening on the Discovery feed, welcome. We're going to be switching things over to the Picard feed for, you know, Star Trek Picard. To those listening on the Picard feed, can't believe, Pete, that we are within two weeks of getting the show. And to those, the most stalwart listeners of all listening on our Pop Culture Podcast feed, you'll know that you'll continue to get everything we do when subscribed over there.
1: Yes, we're just under two weeks now. We're recording this on Saturday, January 11th, the uh, premiere of Star Trek Picard, of course, in these United States, Thursday, January 23rd, elsewhere the next day. Uh, we will be brought our podcast for that first episode on Saturday, January 25th but a whole host of fleet news prior to that, Matt.
0: Yes, uh, between now and then, indeed, specifically on January 15th, that's a Wednesday, at least on Earth. Uh, Pete, that's when we're going to be discussing our Picard Primer. What's, uh, what are all the particulars for that? The Star Trek Twitter account had put out
1: a list of episodes, not as required viewing, but very much important towards the Picard premiere. Uh, Those episodes being from The Next Generation, Data Lore, uh, Best of Both Worlds, Both Parts, Family, IQ, and then one Star Trek Voyager episode, The Raven, that of course featuring Seven of Nine.
0: So, certainly looking forward to talking about those in the coming days, and we will do a proper uh, Picard season preview that will be coming out on January 20th, uh, the Monday, so that same week that, uh, that the show drops. So, we spent November and December in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in the Star Wars Universe, and both of those certainly special to our podcasting hearts, but Pete... Glad to be back here in Sector 001, talking Star Trek.
1: Yes, definitely a fantastic geek favorite.
0: Before we dive on in, we do have some Star Trek news, Pete. Breaking news, Noah Hawley, Star Trek movie. Let's go through the list, Pete. Uh, Does it have a cast? Uh, No, and if it does, it's probably going to be a new cast. Okay. Does it have a date? It does not. Does it have a script? That I don't know. Uh, I think the answer is no in part because he doesn't know what characters are going to be in it. Um, Many people excited about the forthcoming about to happen release of Noah Hawley's Star Trek movie, which has no script, no cast, no green light, no production, no nothing beyond he's either taking a meeting and or maybe has a modest development deal with Paramount, you know, which I would imagine is, you know, in the tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is to say a pittance when it comes to a Hollywood production film or TV show, for him to think about this idea more. I'm not even aware, Pete, of a story treatment. I think he just has an idea uh, as he puts the finishing touches on Fargo season four.
1: Yeah, I ran a poll on Twitter Will Noah Howley's Star Trek movie get made? Uh, the first choice was You'll hollow watch it in no time. Um, That was 33 uh, percent. And then it's in triple got 67 percent. And granted, it's only nine votes. But uh, yeah, uh, at least yellow alert on that. Love to see it. Love Noah Hawley's work. Fargo is tremendous. The idea that he would both write and direct uh, a Star Trek movie tantalizes me. Thank goodness we have all this Star Trek TV, though, while we're waiting for the film end that's carried us for a number of years to get its act together again
0: well he had even made the comment you know uh there's there's really not not a whole lot of connection between the film end and the tv end i would say six months ago that's true uh in december uh paramount para uh, parent company and cbs parent company re-merged et cetera. Et cetera. i have to imagine that As they figure out things on the corporate organization chart, you know, Alex Kurtzman. I can't imagine Alex Kurtzman is going to be in charge of Star Trek TV, which apparently is successful, seeing as how we're about to get to uh, what would this be? Picard season one will be the third season of Star Trek released under his tenure. Okay, asterisk. He wasn't the boss of bosses when Discovery first was conceived. But you know what I'm saying with Another season of Discovery coming this year with Lower Decks coming this year. All this production happening. I can't imagine they're going to say, Noah, you need not speak to (laughs) the TV guy. You go make your movie. I mean, it's all about, it's all connected. It's all about shared universes. This is literally a shared universe. It's the original TV movie shared universe. Uh, I, I saw that Noah Hawley quote and I said, I don't think he understands the situation.
1: Again, just hope that they get it together. But uh, from the sidelines
0: here, it's uh, interesting nonetheless. Well, Pete, let's now turn things back to the USS Fantastic Geek. Uh, A little bit of, uh, you know, we might live in the future where we're not concerned about uh, material things, but a little bit of of a raffle going on.
1: Yes, we need Apple Podcasts reviews and ratings. So from now until the second episode of Picard that will air on uh, Thursday, January 30th, we will be uh, placing everybody who leaves a Apple podcast review into a raffle for an exclusive Captain Picard face palm bust statue that we will be raffling off Uh, the iconic, Facepalm turned into a statue here. You're definitely going to want that on your shelf.
0: With that, Pete, let's turn to our mission briefing.
1: Alien female child Kima gets ready for school and explains her mother is an anti-grav ringer at the Utopia Planitia shipyards on Mars. As welding goes on behind her, Mom laughs as Kima touches her tongue to her nose as she is unable to do so. We see a number of ships at a space dock above Mars, which may or may not factor into the Picard series. Human child Lil gets ready and explains her father is a quality system supervisor at the Mars orbital facility. From the same Mons Olympus Station, he tells her they've gone through it a couple of times, but there's a lot going on there, and he's not going to be able to make it home this year. Out Lil's window, San Francisco can be seen. She shuts off the view screen. As the girls walk toward the camera in split screen, a repurposed, discovery era school shuttle swoops down to the school shuttle stop the final boarding call for the wsa shuttle sounds as lil bumps into Kima and knocks her bag off lil looks back and Kima can't board the shuttle before the force field comes up and it takes off at school a happy first contact day message is visible as Lil seems lonely, other children chat or play with holographic fidget spinners. Kima hustles up the stairs and arrives late, presumably marked tardy by a Vulcan male. She arrives in class during a lesson visibly upset and bumps into Lil as she takes her desk. They exchange glances and Lil draws a nasty picture Of teacher Mrs. K on her hollow pad, sending it to Kima, who gets caught with it. Mrs. K shares it with the class and gives Kima two hollow demerits. Staking out a spot in the library, Kima trips an unsuspecting Lil, who chuckles and runs away. Lil goes up to Kima as she's at her locker and pushes her to the ground. Lil yells for her to get up as their classmates look on and cheer. They slam each other against the lockers, Kima hurling Lil to the floor. Lil gets up and punches Kima, who wipes blue blood from her nose. Kima returns the favor and Lil screams as Kima pounces on her before the fight is broken up by a pair of adults. The girls sit with arms crossed beneath the achieve and grow motivational hollow manners and glance at each other. A chime sound signaling the life science presentation for level six has been moved to lab two. As the Vulcan male makes his way to the students, he receives a message on his communicator, as does a human female who comes over to him. Their expressions are enough to know it's not good. They view an attack On their holographic devices an automated voice over a speaker announces an emergency alert students run into the room as footage plays on the hollow screens superimposed messages read attack on Mars as footage of people attempting to escape and ships firing appears explosions cover the red planet Kima flashes back to her mother trying to touch her nose with her tongue Lil to a discontinuation of her communication with her father. A swarm of ships overwhelms an orbital platform. A hollow screen shows the image of Admiral Picard who is quoted reacting to the Mars attack as quote devastating, unquote. Three thousand are estimated dead. The girls look at each other A tear streaming down Kima's cheek. They lock hands.
0: Pete, an incoming threat analysis. In this, an episode that features its own threat analysis. Let's start with the barely seen but on-screen identification of the attackers on Mars being rogue synths
1: whatever they are are they the the data-esque looking uh, robots featured in the two trailers we're just going to have to wait and see Um, might this short trek have done the the slightest better job in identifying the threat sure I mean the the ships kind of look romulan in design maybe there's a connection we know that the series takes place after essentially the uh, the, the romulan evacuation we're going to get all the exposition to fill in the gray areas um but tonally they wanted us to have this prior to the series so it remains to be seen what these rogue synths are other than uh, robots, synthetic uh,
0: people who have gone rogue. I I am okay with the fact that it is shown so fleetingly. I wonder if maybe the, uh, the, the crawling update there on FNN, which I assume is the Federation News Network, um, I like that it's shown quickly in part because this episode's villains, this episode's threat analysis is not actually... Uh, the synths. It's not those who caused the three thousand dead on Mars. The conflict is between the two main characters uh, of Kima and Lil. It obviously comes to a head uh, with the attack, and that's where they have a, you know, a, a better understanding of each other and their their immediate, new and fresh uh, sense of grief. Um, but I, however, this is backing into Picard however important this is in the understanding of that attack, et cetera, et cetera. I thought that this was a wonderful standalone short trek. This is making use of the short trek model in a way that maybe has only been equaled by Calypso, and this might have surpassed Calypso.
1: Very interesting in the presentation. We've never seen this much of a glimpse into schooling, into education, uh, in Star Trek, in one particular vein, and then when you consider the conflict between the two girls, uh, seemingly not because they are of different races, but just because they've got this rivalry. And even then, when when Lil reaches out with the the mean picture of the drawing, is it to make uh, Kima get caught with it? Or is it more of a, Hey, let, let's bond over the teacher since I am lonely, even though I bumped into you early, uh, as, as two males or two human males are going to podcast here. We, we can't get in the, uh, the human female and alien female minds, uh, when when two human males speaking as a human male have a beef with one another, it's, it's usually pretty straightforward. I punch you and then later we can get some synthahol uh, with uh, human females. I've, I've seen some stuff and some things and it can get downright Machiavellian. I can't even imagine when you can bring in an alien female capable of touching her elongated tongue to her nose what kind of malevolence they might choose to bring toward uh, one another. But now this attack has united them.
0: My kind of Star Trek takeaway uh, was just in terms of we always get, you know, all the problems have been solved on Earth. Earth is this Eden. Uh, We get that in Deep Space Nine. You know, out here it's tough. In Earth it's not. But I think that it's a reminder even in these troubled times of the new decade of the 2020s, you know it takes continued work. And obviously, these two are not going to upset the grand balance of Earth in terms of you know now. Now there's going to be a return to famine and war and strife and whatnot. But you know they have they figure out a way to work things out. Yes, it's with the backdrop of a tragedy, but they are not incapable of reaching an understanding. And it takes having an open mind it takes the willingness to put conflict behind you to find a commonness and again the commonness of tragedy certainly not calling for tragedy galore but there is that thing that can unify people there's something in all of us that we can unify over and star trek promises we can get there star trek doesn't tell you how we're going to get there because it's not you know religion, it's not L Ron Hubbard and all that stuff to give you the path there. Star Trek is saying we can get there at the end. And at the end of this episode, their conflict has been resolved. Yes, seemingly because of this terrible tragedy, but it's a shared tragedy. It's a shared existence. I was going to say the shared human existence for us in the real world. It's the shared human existence in Star Trek. It's the shared existence of life of people.
1: The shades of 9 11 and even before that pearl harbor are completely evident uh remains to be seen what the star trek universe looks like uh heading into the series again we'll we'll get that necessary exposition but as a tonal mic check beforehand this definitely does the uh, the duty Uh, I noted the welding before Matt, and of course with 9-11, there are idiot conspiracy theorists. We know from all the TV that we watch that when there's welding going on, there's usually bad guys. So I think the question is, have the rogue synths been uh, unfairly, uh, since we never see any, the, the ships, uh, I don't know that design. That's not been pointed out to us as a rogue synth design. Uh, could the Mars attack, with the welding going on, could it have been an inside job? Could the, the rogue synths have been uh, scapegoated?
0: Well, a bit of exaggeration there on your end, but let me put a... I guess I have a couple of thoughts, Pete. First of all, it's been so long since we as Star Trek fans have been in this next generation era, you know, not since Nemesis. I guess we don't know how things have evolved uh, in the solar system, in Sector 001, et cetera. Certainly Star Trek has always propped up Earth as, you know, as the New York of the United Nations and as the most secure place to be and the happiest place to be and, and all of that. I would imagine that, I would imagine that it's difficult for the Romulan fleet or whatever to roll on in. I would imagine that it's difficult for synths to steal uh, attack cruisers of any uh of any type and roll on into uh to Mars so close to Earth. Now Pete, I'm sure there's some people saying, but wait, in in Discovery the Klingons did that during the Klingon War. Yes, pushed to the very brink, pushed to you know, near the end of uh, of extinction, it happened there. And I'm sure some people would say that would never happen in a real Star Trek show. It, it of course, happened in a Next Generation movie where the Borg attacked Earth. Um, did the Borg reach Earth? I guess the Borg were almost at Earth in uh, in uh, Best of Both Worlds. Um, it also happened in Voyager where the Borg came quite close. Uh, it also happened uh, during the Dominion War where Earth was attacked. Most of it off screen. So I'm not ignorant to the fact that Earth can be conveniently unsecure when it needs to be for story but to go back to your idea pete of an inside job i'm imagining maybe these are going to be something like you know uh system defense you know solar system defense ships that maybe got hijacked by the synths again whoever the synths are um we're not quite clear other than maybe as you said the data type uh, uh robots but Kind of, sort of, inside job. I could see that. Pete, let's look on long-range sensors. Here's the issue tearing apart the Trek fandom. Pete, I'm referring to B and B buses and buttons. How did Star Trek get it wrong this time? Which one do you want to start with?
1: I mean, if they can't use an older design shuttle as a school bus, I mean, come on, people are going to get upset about this now.
0: Uh, as some people were, and I'm, I don't know there's need for much more discussion beyond that, Pete. Uh, I mean, clearly as a production, they used an existing 3d model within the world of star Trek. Uh, they took a hundred year old shuttle that used to fly at warp and now it's a school bus. Okay. I mean, there's literally 75, 80 year old, planes still in use in the air force you know with new avionics and engines this and not that the other so that's a real thing pete how about buttons gene roddenberry said no more buttons no more zippers except for in the next generation where zippers occasionally appeared why are these girls wearing buttons because
1: tailors <laughs> because uh i don't know if Gersha phillips is doing like she does for discovery the the costuming but uh because that's what happens when people make costumes, like get over them having buttons as well.
0: Well, how's this for an in-universe thing? I mean, plenty of plenty of institutions have uh, old fashioned uniforms. You know, I think of, I think it's West Point, you know, they, the, the formal uniform is something that hasn't changed in like 150 years. Uh, they could just be wearing old timey, old timey uniforms with buttons. Like again, A, not worth freaking out and B, in-universe answers, if you stretch a bit. Pete, I guess that's why we're here to have these discussions.
1: This is the furthest set chunk of narrative we've ever gotten in the Star Trek universe to this point until Picard. I think it's really interesting that we set it away from Starfleet, that it would be at a school. Uh, It's first contact day, so we know definitively that that's April 5th. Um, the last star date year we've ever been given was in Star Trek Nemesis was 2379. We've been told there's going to be a real time passage of time between that and Star Trek Picard. That would be 18 years for us, 18 years for them. That would make it the year uh, 2397, which would set it two years past the events again what had happened of uh, all good things
2: with that pete let's go to hailing frequencies hailing frequencies open sir hello matt and pete and all listeners to fantastic geek this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for star trek short Trek episode 10 aka season 2 episode 6 And if I'm already talking about arbitrary names, is this a Star Trek Discovery short track? Is this a Star Trek Picard short track? Is this a Star Trek short track? Because in the beginning all short tracks were called, as far as I know, Star Trek Discovery short tracks. But I think it is going to be a Star Trek short track, period. And if you're not knowing anything about Star Trek Picard and you are living under a Star Trek rock, you could think this is in some way a Star Trek Discovery short track. But we probably will see a tie-in into Star Trek Picard here. And what I expect is actually that we somehow will see these girls at an adult age, because on the big screen at the end we see Picard of course as an admiral and we know from the trailers that at the start of the series he is decommissioned. So it's at least a little later but perhaps even a, quite a bit later so that would mean that these girls are somewhat older. The other possibility of course is that the attack on Mars by Synth the tie in and it has nothing to do with these girls. One nitpick, we see of course that Mika is tripping Lil in the library. But Lil is studying a book there. Do they really still have books in the 23rd century? Come on, or is that a kind of archaeological archive? This especially if you compare it to what kind of devices the teachers have and also what kind of translucent pads they have in the classroom on which Lil is drawing Mrs K the teacher. Okay that was more or less all for now. I really wanna go to school in such a school bus. And I have a busy day today because I will be a guest on two other podcasts, it's really amazing. I've been a guest on podcasts twice and I've visited studios of podcasters in the states and Canada also twice and now I have a request on one day for two podcasts, one Star Trek related and one His Dark Materials related. And they both had their start at 2 p.m. Eastern. Fortunately one was willing to shift a little in time. And of course I had to get this out before your deadline. As said, that was all. Greet Fred from the Netherlands.
0: Pete Fleet Commodore. Fred checking in there all the way from the USS Netherlands as always some great insight from the Commodore
1: definitely thought of the book issue as I was watching it Um, the interesting aspect that uh, Fred brings up um, I'm reading the Admiral Picard uh, as down the road uh in the direct time frame of uh Star Trek Picard, he's reading it as as set some time before while he's still in Starfleet. Uh so he would, you know, be somebody they could reach out to, get a quote uh in either time. We we just don't know definitively where this occurs.
0: To me, that's part of the mystery of this short is that, yes, it's rolling into Picard uh, as a series. And I'm sure there must have been some sort of discussion like, do we have him show up at the end and say, hello, I'm here to engage you or something like that. But they just make it about these two girls and this event where we have all these questions. What's the larger issue? But it's also this self-contained story again. It's kind of almost in opposition to the original concept of the shorts, which is they're standalone, surprise, they're super important, some of them were even filmed during episodes, they're episode extenders, and this is just this wonderful little thing that exists for six and a half minutes. Well, Pete, as we gear up for Picard talking about those essential episodes, our preview of the series, the series as a whole, this all brought by the people who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek everybody who contributes gets access
1: to exclusive podcast content just takes a dollar to get you in that door a merely space quarter a month uh to do that so get yourself over to patreon.com fantastic today
0: all sorts of goodies on the patreon website but there's one pete that's always free how can people open hailing frequencies with you on twitter you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P I E
1: T E R J K L R K E T E L A A R
0: 11,041 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are fantastic geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantastic geek with a P H, all one word, like it today. We will be back in the coming days to talk about those essential Picard prep episodes. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all listeners and give you the final word. Devastating.